<laughs> okay, we are back with another episode of Barbie Does Dating. I am your host, Barbie Bird. This is my co-host, Steve Solberg. Hello there. And our sage wisdom giver, Nick Galetti. I'm sorry, by the way, that I haven't been as sage the last few episodes. Well, there's not I'm a lot tired. of sage wisdom to give on some of those episodes. <laughs> Stop it. Get therapy. What's wrong with That's you? Right. <laughs> Bam. Maybe this time you'll have a little more. And as another special guest we have for three episodes now, it's fantastic. We have Nick's wife, Heidi, here. Hello. This is sage wisdom. Oh, yes. for real. <laughs> and sagest them, of all sage wisdom. Seeing them together is a delight, I must say. It's very fun. You're kind. <laughs> so I wanted to talk today about something that I've noticed with singles and with myself especially is that are we waiting to feel perfect or feel at a certain feel a certain way before we're putting ourselves out there? I think a lot of us have excuses about dating and wanting to actually put ourselves out there. Because I have friends that I'm like, when are you going to do the online dating challenge? I think you should do it. And 90% of the girls and some of the guys that I talk to are like, well, I need to lose weight first. And I need to do this. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make yourself better. There's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things I very thoroughly believe in is the person you marry needs to love you for exactly as you are right this second. And Steve, <laughs> Nick, Nick got a face. No, I'm just thinking yeah. about what you just said. Mm. But And how I might counter it. And that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's something. Um, I've also seen a lot of people that don't take pictures or don't post pictures. Like especially now seeing photos so instantly. Everybody's like, let me see the picture first. Oh, you have to delete it. You have to delete it. Like what happened to the time? Remember when back in the 80s, everything, every photo was awkward. But you had a funny memory to it. And we all had bad haircuts and bad clothing. Like. What happened to this? But I, one of the things I see is a lot of women, especially, who don't want to take pictures with their kids because they feel unattractive. And they're like, oh, don't take a picture of me at the beach. Don't do these things. Where I was looking back at some pictures, and a lot of people are like, well, I wish I had a picture of my mom at this stage, but I didn't. And she's like, well, I just felt so uncomfortable with myself. We don't care as your children. We want to see pictures of you when you were with us at this certain stage because someday you won't be around and we need those photos and we're not looking at you thinking man look at her dimply thighs on the beach we're like oh what a fun time that was I remember that blah 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 so I'm like are we doing that with certain things in our life that especially dating are we saying like oh I only can do this if everything is picture perfect I only can do this if all of my debt is paid off and I have this and this and this and this. There's nothing wrong with having goals. Like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to go into a marriage debt-free. But it's there's like nothing... a threshold. Exactly. Where they're like, nope, I'm going to stay back here and I'm going to be behind my happy little thing. So I actually gave a talk and release, or I gave a really study lesson yesterday. And it was about, the the lesson was like the eye of faith. And it was a, a general conference talk. And normally what I do when I get a release study lesson is I listen to the talk multiple times through the week and I write notes and I'm like, okay, this is the direction I want to get. And I went and saw my family on Saturday night and they're like, how's your talk or your lesson going? And I'm like, horrible. I have zero inspiration. None. <laughs> I had nothing. And they're like, well, what do you, what do you get out of the talk? And I'm like, I don't know. Jesus is good. Like I just, <laughs> there was really nothing that like, go Jesus. We love him. <laughs> like I just had nothing. Could not think of a thing. So I'm sitting there. While they're doing announcements before Relief Society starts, because I'm like, I'm just going to be honest with everybody and be like, I need y'all to make comments. And I thought, like, and so I went back through the talk and I highlighted a couple things, but I got up there and I was like, you guys, here's the deal. 
I have no inspiration for this. And it's the first time it's ever happened. And so we started talking about things and the comments that were made were so amazing. It was the most amazing church experience I've probably ever had. Wow. And I remember afterwards sitting there and just being like, that's why I had zero inspiration. That is why. So the reason I have a point to this, one of the things we talk about was in the lesson, one of the parts of his talk said, not everyone, because he talks a lot about the um, proclamation to the family. And in, in there, he says, I know not everyone fits perfectly into the proclamation. And that, that can be hard for people. Like if you're divorced, if you're single, if you're a child of divorce, like there's all these different things. So I asked the girls, I said, who of us feels like they don't fit in that mold? And of course, everybody was like, well, of course I don't. I'm single. I'm in my late 30s, early 40s. So one of the girls made a comment. And it was so amazing. And I wish I could like, I wish I was recording it. It was so incredible. But she said, she's realized that a lot of her friends are all in the same situation she is. And when it comes to being single, you kind of put an independent face on like, I got this, don't worry. And especially when you're in like family words and stuff, it's like you, you kind of put yourself to the back, like, don't worry about me. I know I'm the single one, but I got this. Everything's fine. And she was talking about how when she used to be in a family ward, the high priest, one of the stake high priests came and she was talking to him and she was like, well, there's spots up here if you want to sit. And he said, no, I always sit in the back when I visit a family ward because then I can save the pews for families. And she said, well, why would you want to push yourself to the back for this? And so she said, what is it as singles? What do we need to do to give ourselves a front row experience to the gospel and the plan of salvation? And there was something about that. It was amazing. I wish I could say the way that she did. But I was thinking about it last night, and I'm like, what else are we doing that we're not giving ourselves a front row experience because we're single or because we're heavier or because we're not exactly where we want to be? Why can't we put ourselves and say, okay, this is what I look like right now. This is where my life is right now, but I'm still worth it. I still have value. I'm still fun and lovable, and I do deserve love. And someone else out there deserves my love. So why are we putting things off so much until we're at this perfect spot? So lots of nodding in this room. We're waiting <laughs> for you to finish. <laughs> we didn't want to interrupt. Thank you. I appreciate You're that. You're giving the Relief Society lesson to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very good. Very well put. I think when you ask why are we doing that or or why are we doing that, mm-hmm. I think, of course, we all do it. I know I do that really well. Yeah. I'm like the champion of <laughs> of not yet. Um, and it's it's more, a, it's a stalling technique uh, because a lot of times I find that I'm not, I'll say, oh, I'm not going to do that yet because X, Y, Z, I want to, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually that I even because want to do that thing. It's just because I like to put things off. Okay. And um, it's because I have a little bit of fear and I go, I'm not going to acknowledge it that I'm afraid of it. I'm just going to deflect and use this as something else. So I've started using a mantra to get myself to face these things and just get stuff done. And I I will say, hey, you're doing it. Face it. Don't fear it. And I'll address it and try to take care of it right then. Nice. Um, because otherwise you're just going to waste time mm-hmm. and you're going to miss out on life. And that's all you got. So why why just face it, don't fear? And so that's what I had to use was like a short thing that I could say to myself. Face it, don't fear it. 
Actually, this is kind of silly, but I'm going to admit that uh, I start. I said fear it, but I say don't freeze. Okay. Uh, because oh, I, like uh, that. I I tend to freeze more, but uh, whatever anybody wants to use. Um, <laughs> but mine is face it, don't freeze. Mm-hmm. But it is based off of because I'm a f- sort of afraid of the thing and different people. They say there's fight or flight. Mine is freeze. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people fight, a lot of people fly, whatever. I just stand there like a deer. <laughs> he's he's yeah. everything's a T-Rex to him. If he, just, if he just stays still. <laughs> Their vision is based on movement. <laughs> Life's vision is based on movement. Yeah, I freeze. I like that. Well, so. my my meme advice is came from something I saw on Facebook that I saved. It said one reason people resist change is because they focus on what they have to give up instead of what they have to gain. Mm-hmm. And I think we, you guys have talked about this before where you said some people are become so comfortable in their singleness yeah. that it becomes very scary to not be there anymore because you've never been there before. And I think that one way that this manifests itself is when people focus too much on what they're giving up instead of on what they're going to gain. There's another side of it is that victimhood is very in vogue right now. And there's a lot of ways that people put up these barriers so that they can become victim of, of things that they aren't in control of. So, I don't know, that, that, that often comes across kind of nasty, but I've seen that occasionally, that, that people are in this mindset of, it's scary to own my own decisions. It's scary to be responsible for what I choose. I know that I, I have that issue sometimes with entrepreneurial things, mm-hmm. with jobs, things that I know are good for me. And eventually what I have to do is I have to tell myself, don't worry so much about what you're giving up. Focus on what you're going to get. And in this particular case, like when I switched jobs, I know it's not the same as dating, but I had to look at, yes, I really love the job I have, but I'm going to have these benefits if I switch. And I'm glad I made that choice. When it comes to dating, I think one of the things you said, Barbie, was that it's that they need to have a certain job or Mm -hmm. something like that. But when Heidi and I got married, I was a server at a restaurant. I think when you're 20 and 22, you have a little bit more patience for where people are at in life. But when you're 40, it's it's a lot less patience because it's you should have been there by now, whatever it was. Mm Is that a real thing? Is that a justifiable thing to have that standard of they need, they should actually have their life together at that point? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's different when you're 20. It's so different when you're 20 than when you're 40. Because when you're 20, I very much believe that when you get married, you grow together. Like most people I know that got married at that age, they're like, it was good that we had nothing because we grew together. Where when you're at the age that we are, there are times that I look because you. I don't need somebody who has that perfect career. I don't need someone that has those things, but I need to see that he's making progress towards something or that he's happy in what he's doing and he's working hard at it. Those are the things that are really important. See, that's an interesting thing to me. Like the way you just said it, he needs to be working towards something. Like mm-hmm. it's a minimum standard. He needs to have that. But there's a lot of guys suffering from depression. Oh, Yeah. And they're otherwise great guys. Mm-hmm. But the, if they're having depression, they're not going to feel that drive. Sure. And one of the things that I've found is that marriage, whether they're depressed when you meet them or they get depressed later, you kind of have to be willing to go through that with them. Mm-hmm. And so 
I almost worry about even having that standard of they need to have this little thing because what if they're going through something difficult? True. And you could miss out on something. It's hard. It's really hard. So it's interesting that you bring that up because I've had conversations with one of my best friends. She has severe anxiety. So something I don't talk to people. I mean, I am fairly open about it, but I have severe anxiety and depression and I have my entire life. And it's something that actually scares me that I'm scared to date someone or to get into it. Like, I'm like, how am I going to be in a marriage? How am I ever going to find someone who understands that when my depression hits, I'm in bed for a week and that's what it is. And I've learned my triggers and I've learned how I deal with it and I have my process But how am I ever going to find someone who's going to be okay with this? Who isn't like, you lazy sack of crap, get up, and doesn't understand what depression truly is. And my friend that suffers from such severe anxiety, and she's like, I am never going to find anyone to date because I am a burden. I I am hard to be around. I am a burden. And and it's hard because I'm like, don't talk about my friend like that, as she talks about herself. I'm like, you are amazing and wonderful and worth it. But yet in the back of my head, that is a constant fear for me constant that people see my outward persona. I'm very loud and I'm outgoing and I'm fun and I'm friendly. But let me tell you, when my depression hits hard, I hit hard. And getting out of bed and brushing my teeth is a multiple hour long struggle. But see, here's the thing. Like you say that you need to find someone that can deal with that. I'm saying you need to be willing to go to that place with anyone. Yeah. Because no one is immune to depression. True. So everyone could go there. Everyone, no matter how perfect they are in Mm -hmm. any other way, they can go there. You have to be that way with everyone you date. You have to be willing. So I worry about setting expectations about where they're at now Mm -hmm. because, you know, or do they need to have this this drive, this direction, this push or whatever, because they may be going through something that anybody can go through. You can date someone that is totally driven. Yeah. And then eventually depression hits, and it's like they're a totally different person. Mm-hmm. I have a friend that had this happen and was dangerously close to a divorce. And But we talked, and I said, look, you know this isn't who that person is. You've got to stick through it and help her get through this problem. This is not a person I would have thought would have had depression issues or would have gotten into that place. So I worry about that being a fear for everybody that's yeah. single. You can become depressed. You know, you're always thinking about, oh, other people might have this problem. You can get it too. Yeah. And we talked a couple episodes back about kindness. That is kindness tested. Mm-hmm. But that can happen to anybody. So where where is that threshold? I mean, at some point, that's a really hard thing to, to judge. Yeah. I don't know. I wish there was an easy answer for that. Heidi, thoughts? I couldn't tell if you had something to say or not. <laughs> She's always well, got something to say. Yes, I always, I don't always say it, but there's always a monologue in my head. Back to the original topic of, you know, are we waiting to be perfect kind of a thing. I know as women, we're really good at looking at ourselves or even our friends and giving the list of reasons why you weren't chosen that really aren't that person's fault, you know. You're you're a strong personality. He's just too scared of you, you know, or mm-hmm. you're beautiful, but he's so shallow. All he cares is if you look like Barbie, you know, that kind of a yeah. thing. Girls are really good. Everyone she wants is, to look like me. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> she is the epitome of beauty. She is. And 
when it comes to dating, at least for me, now this is hard because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't date a lot in high school, but I dated every once in a while and it was always with a crappy human being. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't always a good experience for me. So when it came to dating and actually looking for someone that I wanted to marry, um, it was terrifying because like right when I met Nick, I had always been slightly chubby as a kid. And right when I met Nick, I had lost 40 pounds. I was down to like a size four. Dang. Yeah. I was (laughs) super tiny. And then he started dating me. And then when he dated me for the very first time, and he talks about this as one of like his most hated memories of us dating, we went to a dance, like a church dance. Oh, yeah. And a guy came up and asked me to dance. That had never happened to me before at a church dance. Unless I knew him personally and we were Mm -hmm. good friends, never been asked to dance. And I was like, this is so cool. So I said, yes, because it was flattering, right? Mm-hmm. Never happened to me before. Nick was like, oh, no, line crossed. <laughs> you don't yeah. dance with other guys when we're exclusive. But um, Yeah, I told her friend, I was like, please go tell her that I'm going to punch this man's life out <laughs> if he doesn't stop. But so it was, uh, it was like an eye-opener to me of when I had had this big change, all of a sudden I was getting attention. So it reinforced this idea of there is this something specific that you have to change in order to be dateable, mm-hmm. to be wantable, which is sad in some ways. And it's even hard now because I've had five kids. I'm not a size four anymore. In <laughs> fact, I don't think one leg of my pants would fit. <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't get one leg in the waist of a size four. So, you know, it, it just it's hard now because I look at it sometimes and you... And I don't know if this is a woman only thing because that's the only experience I have. Mm-hmm. But you tell yourself, how can, if it took me being a size four before he noticed me, how can he still, you know, love me now when that's not even a possibility? And so I think there's that defense mechanism when it comes to dating. You often say, this is what I need to change to be dateable. But then we also don't rush to that change. Because if we get rejected then, then there's something else that's really wrong about Mm -hmm. who we are as a person. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that people say when they do that lesson in church. I think there's a scripture in, oh man, I don't know the reference, but it's the what lack I yet question. And people always kind of joke about saying that in their prayers, what lack I yet, and being worried about what they're going to hear. I mean, they're worried about hearing it from God, the all-loving, you know, our Father in heaven. They're worried about hearing that. So to hear it from anyone else, including themselves, of what they lack yet, unless you have some kind of strength of character, that's an area you just don't want to go. So it's not wrong to want to improve yourself. It's not wrong, as you said Mm -hmm. in the beginning. It's not wrong to look for ways to be a better person. But to use that as some kind of excuse or I'm not at this threshold where I think I'm worthy to be out in the world yeah. is misguided. It's it's perhaps cutting yourself off from very good opportunities to facilitate the growth you want. Yeah. Like dating is an incredible growth experience. You learn a lot about yourself as you date. I know I did. And and so I still learn it. When we go on dates, I still learn ways to be better. <laughs> so 
I think that there's nothing wrong with understanding that dating is not, it's not a prerequisite thing. It's not like practicing law where you have to wait until you get a dating license or something. <laughs> you just go and do it and you get better as you do it, hopefully. Steve, thoughts? Yeah, uh, I, lo- I loved all those points because it mm-hmm. is interesting because you do have that progression mindset and it is very much ingrained in us that everything has to go da 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 And so then when you feel maybe that you're not progressing, like, okay, well, I'm not getting married, so that is I'm not progressing and there must be a reason. Uh, so what lack I yet and stuff like that. But... Uh, but yeah, that that's interesting. It's honestly part of it. I'm having a hard time speaking because I'm like, oh wow, I'm realizing I'm still continually having that problem where yeah. I tend to go, well, once I get that done, then I'll be able to be. Is the question that you're asking? Don't wait until you're you know perfect kind of thing. Is that just for finding dates, or is it for finding a meaningful relationship? Because as I understand it. You can get dates, Steve. Yeah. You're not having a hard time in the finding area. It's it's making the leap to a committed relationship. Right, right. So that that's different for different people. Some people it's I'm not at that place to even go out mm-hmm. to date and and to find someone or even go on an app. I think my point was more just like putting themselves out there even just doing the app themselves. Yeah. Like so, a lot of people I know won't even take that step. And so I actually read this interesting, I'm reading this article right the second. It says, don't wait till you're perfect to date because that won't happen. And it says, it talks about this girl who asked, I think this must be a therapist. Says, um, she asked if I should stop dating until she lost weight. She was admittedly on the heavy side, but had never tried to mask it on her online profile. She'd gotten some messages and gone on a few dates, but several of the men she'd met would be more interested, they had said, if she had been a few pounds lighter. I'm sure that wasn't easy to hear. In fact, ouch, she was ready to quit dating entirely until she could wear a size six. She was already taking strides to live healthier, so she figured she'd just wait. And he says, not a chance. Here's why, because if she wanted to be the right weight before she went on another date, she'd likely come up with another excuse once she lost the weight. Yeah. She needed the right hair or the right job. I reminded her there's no set height and weight requirements. It's dating, not the Rockettes. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Um, Are the Rockettes the gold standard still? I don't know. But they have very, very <laughs> strict the requirements. No. Um, he says something else really interesting on here. So he says, the idea that you should work on yourself before you start dating is what I call living the future perfect tense. He says, this notion that you'll be perfect in the future is crazy and plops a ton of pressure on you to be the perfect weight, to look a certain way, to make a certain salary, et cetera, before you try connecting with another person. Then when the future perfect you, ideal weight, gray haircut, designer jeans, steps out for the first time and gets rejected, which happens to everyone, what then? It'll hurt even more because you'll think, if no one wants me now after all this, how could anyone ever? Hmm. And I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. And I I almost wonder if when, I mean, weight is something that's clearly been a repetitive thing in this conversation. Absolutely. I'm wondering if weight as an example, is something that instead of saying I'm doing this for the person, mm-hmm. if switching the mindset to I'm doing it for me because I want to be healthier, I want to feel better about myself or yeah. whatever it is, that switching it to a, I'm doing this for me makes it 
better, more mentally healthy, maybe more even doable? Maybe. I think it's just, I think it also depends. Like, are you morbidly obese and you're like, I need to be able to walk upstairs without feeling like I'm going to die? Or are you a size 12 and you're like, I must get down to a size 2 because that's what my life needs to be kind of thing. So I think it kind of just depends also where you're at. But I think it's also a lot of liking yourself for exactly who you are right now. Like one of my favorite things I've ever read was, I wish I was as fat now as my 20-year-old self was when I thought I was fat. Like, man, I wish I was that fat. Mm -hmm. That sounds fantastic right now. And you have to just kind of live in that moment. Why, Why are we pushing ourselves to the side? Yes, we should be, there's nothing wrong with wanting to work on yourself, but you need to like yourself right now in order for other people to even like yourself right now. So do we want to get personal and find out what your guys' hang-ups are, or is that too personal? <laughs> um, my weight's a big one, um, and I've been told by numerous close friends that they think I'm self-deprecating on the podcast. They're like, you have to stop putting yourself down because of your weight. And I'm like, I'm not. I just felt like I was being open and honest and letting people know, hey, I'm a heavier person, like— that's just how it is. And they're like, no, stop putting yourself down. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize I was. I actually thought you were pretty healthy with that. Thank you. I thought so. But, but some of I'm my very close friends. I'm not the arbiter of all things wise. So. <laughs> but it's like, because I used to be very heavy. I used to weigh 300 pounds. And then I got down to 150 pounds, which was very, very thin for me. And now I'm like right in the middle. I'm a little heavier now that I'd like to be. But I almost had a harder time dating when I was at 150 pounds. Because all of a sudden I was getting a ton of attention from guys, but I still wasn't finding connections with people. And it, so you're saying that then the weight isn't the the weight reason? wasn't the thing. Like okay. I had better connections with men. I felt when I was heavier. I also lived in perpetual fear of they didn't want to date me when I was heavier, but now they want to date me when I'm thinner. And I didn't want to be with someone who only liked me at one size. That fair enough. You know, because anyone can gain weight. Anyone can do this. Like, you get married, you have children, everybody gains weight, everybody's body changes, and I don't want to be with someone that only liked me because I was a certain weight. So, because my weight's never going to stay the same. Like, maybe I'll gain a little bit more weight. Maybe I'll lose some weight. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. going to change throughout my life. And I want somebody who says, you're looking great right now. Like, so, if that's, is if you say that that's your hang-up, why, why is it your hang-up if you know that that's not the enduring quality that it that matters. I think because I'm so uncomfortable with my body at this point, not even necessarily like wanting to lose weight, but like I've put my body through a lot gaining and losing all that weight that you know, like I'm looking into plastic surgery right now just to make myself more comfortable with my body. I don't necessarily need to be thinner, but I need to feel more comfortable with myself. And I think that's the thing I'm struggling with right now is I am not super comfortable with myself. Where I don't think I'm ugly, like <laughs> there was another there was another meme that I saw that it was like somebody was like, oh, I feel so fat. And it's like, no, you're beautiful. It's like, I didn't say I was ugly. I just said I was fat. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think funny. I'm an attractive person. I know how to take care of myself, but I just, it's hard to not be comfortable in your own skin. Fair enough. I think that's rough. Hmm. Yeah. And I think you, my my mental health actually lurks in the back of my mind much more than I hmm. like to admit. So, Steve. You don't have to. What's uh, <laughs> what's my hang up? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think I say I don't know. I I mean I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, He's like I, I really don't want to talk about this. Please stop. <laughs> as far as relationships, I I do get uh, scared that I will get bored. That freaks me out the most. Yeah, you have mentioned that. 
that I'll get into a relationship and then go, I don't want to be here anymore. Have you, and then have you been bored or have you just been afraid of it and that was enough to end the relationship? Uh, probably the, the, that was enough. I mean, I'm not married, so. <laughs> well, I mean, but you've had, what's your longest relationship? What's the most serious relationship? Um, two years, wasn't it? Did I date somebody for two years? I thought you did. <laughs> How do you know this? Well, we <laughs> talk about everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe about a year. I oh, might have been that not? long. Okay, but it was a year. Yeah, did it yeah. end because you were bored? Um, yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, I don't. So know. that was I a think, real thing. I think usually, I don't know if it's I'm bored or I, I just uh, I typically will sabotage it. <laughs> okay, and uh, and then yeah, but boredom is really that big of a deal. Well, because it sounds like. It could be something else. Like boredom is a symptom of something. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's just that, uh, and I don't know totally. If I knew what it was, I'd be able to be like, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll fix it now. (laughs) I think Steve also likes to be challenged. Like, Uh, Yeah, for sure. I mean, I want. Are you you of the mindset that things will never be challenged again once you're in a serious relationship? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> it's not like, so. You think it gets easy? Because we haven't been married for over 18 years and we still have challenges. <laughs> Every day when he wakes up. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying that from your side or speaking for me? <laughs> Both. We get on each other's nerves 24-7 and yet we still love each no, other. No, it's not 24-7. At least I hope it's not. <laughs> we need to talk about that in therapy. <laughs> I think the challenge is always going to be there. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. I in mean, some uh, form or another. When we say challenge, I mean, I know Barbie's. We've talked about this before. I, yeah. I definitely want to marry somebody who's much smarter than me, <laughs> okay. and I'm not like super smart either. You're very but smart. I think that, and I think it's. We talked about this a little bit yeah. in the in the the empowering women episode. Sometimes I think in the culture it can be hip for a woman to act a little dumb, mm-hmm. and that can okay. be a bit of a turnoff. For you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know too many women who do that. I think it is, I don't know. There's I think some. it happens. I think it happens. Sure. And I think some guys can make that, encourage that and stuff like that. Um, Sorry to put you on the spot, Steve. Well, and I, I wish I had a better answer because I know that there's no, somebody else there who's out there who's going through the same stuff that I'm going through who would be able to benefit. And so... I'm I'm working on figuring out what exactly it is that because mm. I'll meet great girls and and go out with great girls and and still be like there's something that I can tell that I'm holding back and it's like what the heck is it what are you afraid of Have you ever felt like you committed to someone as much as you want to Um and it still didn't work out or were you always holding back mm, Yeah usually always holding back yeah. And so that could be a thing. Maybe. Um, I don't know. No. I mean, there's a few times when I haven't been. Well, I don't mean like to the creepy level, like where it's like, <laughs> like where you're, where you're like, quoting a song, a country music song. We should breathe the same air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that grosses me out. <laughs> I want to breathe oxygen from plants. <laughs> I don't want to marry a plant, but... <laughs> Oh, yeah, because yeah, that's I where we were going. CO two. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I don't know. I I, I just think for for me, like 
I've noticed that some people remain single because they are, I don't want to use the cliche of afraid of commitment, but sure. they just haven't sure. made it yet. Yeah. They haven't committed to someone to the level that they need to. So they don't know. They don't know if it'll work because they haven't fully committed to it. Right. Like if you've committed, and I don't, again, I don't mean like crazy stalker level commitment. Right. I mean, committing yourself to the relationship, to wanting it to be good, and it still didn't work. That's very different. Yeah. Then I'm not committing to this relationship because for whatever reason. But until you like actually commit, say, you know what? I'm going to commit to you and to us. How do you know? I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Yeah. But yeah. that's me speaking from from my what, what did you call it? My marriage to single amnesia. Amnesia. That I've, I've yeah. forgotten singleness. Everybody and, does. And I don't mean to Everyone have does. some amnesia myself because I know <laughs> that there are girls that I have committed to and I don't want them to feel, if they listen to the podcast for some reason, Yeah. Um, I want. I don't want them to feel like, what? I thought, you know. <laughs> he was only half in, half out. Yeah, like no. we were, I, w- I was committed to, to a number of different girls. Okay. But for whatever reason, things eventually didn't work out. Because to me, I, if unless you commit, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you know if it's going to work? Yeah, yeah. Because you've never really tested it. You've never gotten even close to it. Yeah. But it it is, I don't know. I've been committed enough. Okay. I mean, uh, I've been, <laughs> I know I've been stupid before <laughs> where you're stupid in love. Yep. <laughs> and I have to admit that I'm I'm a little more intrepid. Like, I don't want to be that guy anymore. I don't want to be a colony. Oh, you my honey bunny, stupid little thing. (laughs) You are a hopeless romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, we went kind of deep on that one. I think it's good to do it because I know there are people who who that's where they're at. Yeah. And... uh, it's not, I know there's probably, if there's guys who, li- we have guy listeners, right? We do. <laughs> Quite a few, actually. Yeah. <laughs> that they're in my same shoes. Where That's fair. I, I definitely agree there is a, a bit of a fear of commitment. And part of me feels like, because there's girls that I get committed to, but they don't get committed to me. Mm-hmm. And that's happened. And you go, yeah. huh. Well, I would have, I would have married that one, but she definitely didn't want that. Yeah. <laughs> or I would. But that's okay. Though. Like to have seen where it would have gone. See, to me, that's you know that it wasn't you. Like mm-hmm. you can go back and say it wasn't because you weren't committed. It was because she wasn't, or there was just something not compatible, and that's okay. But if you go into a relationship and you're not in it, and it doesn't work, well, of course it didn't work because mm-hmm. you weren't committed. Mm-hmm. You didn't want it to work. Right. Right. And that's an interesting thing to say you didn't want it to work. That's something that uh, that I think I get involved in, mm. too. I was like, well, if I really wanted it to work, I feel like I would make it work. I think so. And is there something that's holding me back that makes me say, I don't want this to work? Um, and that's where I think I'm working at getting better at uh, wanting it to work, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's funny. As we... <laughs> As we listen, as Heidi and I listen to these episodes back, because I always show her the episodes, mm-hmm. it's hard not to listen to these episodes without commenting. So I, I'm curious how many people are listening and going, I have something I want to say. I've got to say. But yeah. it, I can tell she's got something to say. Go yeah. ahead. Just, no, right just, now? Just let it out. Say it. I know you've got something to say. Oh, no, not. Yeah. Are you, you sure? Because I keep I'm, watching you and thinking the same thing. I'm like, she's got something. 
No, I was just thinking with the with your commitment comments that I'm not a good committer. Like mm-hmm. we just recently leased a car. They had to give me a trash can for me to throw up in because I was <laughs> so wow. scared. Yeah. I I don't Nick is the only person that I have ever committed to and like almost from the beginning. Yeah. I mean it was 2 weeks. She stressed out more on the lease of a vehicle than marrying you. Than marrying me. And but I'm also that way that when I decided on something, anything, it's a hundred percent. Like three cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good thing there was only three that were available, maybe. No, there were more. Oh, there were yeah. more. Oh, there's oh, always more. You chose the right three. Yeah. Well, the line was they're brothers. They're they're, they're but, yeah, they were siblings. And there's, then then we got their paperwork home and I looked at it and I'm like, no, how come not. this one's two months younger than the other ones? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, it was a lie. Just take all the cats. But anyway, but when I, when I commit, it's really strong, but I do to my jobs, what you do to relationships, like a year into it, I'm like, oh, I got to get out. Let me out. Let me out. It's the same thing every day. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe that's not the same thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that with, with my employment. I, boredom terrifies me. Luckily, I'm just nuts enough. And he's just sane enough that it's never boring. <laughs> Barely. <laughs> <laughs> because every day one of us is like, in the 18 years we've been married, you never thought to bring this up before? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that you like this or didn't like this or that this was a thing ever. You know, it still happens it every happens. day. But yeah, so I, I get the not committing thing. I mean, I think I've told you guys this before, but. When I was dating, I had a rule, six months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if you weren't marriage material, goodbye. Yeah. And I mean, and I started that in high school and I had four or five guys that did that. And at the six month mark, I was just like, shake your hand. Thanks. Nice to know you. Bye. Yeah. Wow. And it was funny because I've never had, I never had a breakup where I cried or anything because it was just <laughs> six months <laughs> came and I was like, we, we, I told you. When we started dating, six I told months. you. <laughs> but and it's funny because I asked her to marry me like dangerously close to the six month mark. Yeah, yeah. So I was pushing it. Apparently, he oh, was. Wow. Well, he doesn't remember it, but I told him I was like, "We're getting close to six months, and if you're not serious, I'm not wasting my time." Yeah. I told him I'd wanted to marry him, but I wasn't gonna wait. And then I think it was like two weeks short of the six month mark that he proposed, and I was like, "Well, yeah, I already told you." <laughs> I don't How remember funny. that part, but I'm just glad that well, it came yeah. out the way it did. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I the the fear of commitment thing, I get it. Because you don't you see so many people make mistakes mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. what we would call a mistake. Mm-hmm. But the thing is is that stuff changes. And like I said, the divorce thing or the depression thing, that comes up, stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. You just have to find the person that you're willing to commit to. And and work through whatever. And it's funny because it's in those moments where you work through those things that you grow together the most. Mm-hmm. Like when Heidi was going through depression for 13 years, it sucked. It mm-hmm. did. It was terrible. It was really, really difficult. But what we've come through has made things so much better. Now, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying when it happens, and it will happen. Something will happen that will test your relationship. Just make sure it's someone you're committed to 
and you'll get through it. Yeah. But waiting for someone to be perfect, we're still not perfect. Mm-mm. You know, I don't know what you think you're going to get to, like what point that's ever going to be. I don't know what's a reasonable threshold. I, I just, I, I don't know what that could be for anybody. Anybody. Well, imperfections provide the fun and the variety. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, to a point, but. Everybody's got their baggage. You just need your matching set. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is the perfect way to, to end this one. So, yes, do not be waiting for yourself to be perfect. Put yourself out there. I promise there are good things coming to all of us. We will go ahead and end this. Please feel free to send us any comments or feedback you have at Barbie Does Dating at Gmail, and we will see you guys soon. 